You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. All right, uh, Bracken. Tell me about your big uh, your big adventure this weekend. Tell me, tell the people how you are uh, now super in shape and ready to fight. Super fit. Well, first of all, I took a look at your your Garmin data and saw that you got ninety minutes of sleep. So I thought I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna <laughs> run more than Kirk slept this weekend. It, it is true. I got an hour and a half of sleep on Friday night, and it wasn't partying either. That's not why at all. I don't even know the why. If you want to get into the why, we can get into the why, but. I had a 90-minute workout with a buddy, and I completed every second of it. Every second. No pain. I mean, that's the thing. The time on feet is incredible. For you to go back through two surgeries and now to go for an hour and a half run, I feel like it's kind of a weird milestone for some reason. Like, you will remember this day in the future. Yeah, yeah. because the last three Saturdays have been the longest runs I've done since Tahoe last year. So 11 months, mm-hmm. almost a year. And each one's got progressively longer. I went 60 minutes, 75 minutes, and then and, and then I went 90. And I, w- I just keep expecting, because I'm only running twice per week. I run on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I run on Saturday. And all the rest is on the bike or running, but it's on the treadmill above 8 or 10%. So I'm still mm-hmm. getting the running motion, but I'm not impacting the ground more than twice per week. Right. And so I just keep waiting. Like I, I went into this one thinking, all right, at some point by 40 or 60 minutes, I'm going to start aching and feeling really tired and sluggish. And then by 60, I thought, well, it'll hit me by 75. And then I got to the end and I had fatigue like you would have, but nothing crazy. That's fantastic. And the day after, really, now we're talking the aftermath. All good? Yeah. All insertion points are sore. Oh, that's expected, though. Those are the ones that take it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because my right leg is clearly still a little bit weaker when it has to extend. Mm. Like when I'm underneath myself, there's maybe a 5% difference in power in my legs. But mm. when I'm off, like off canter or what, you know, like yep. one leg way in front or off to the side, when it's stressed atypically, that's when it shows up all the little connectors. And, and that's what's sore today. And we got 1,700 feet of vert, which is the most i've done so well it says 1700 feet of descending as well and that's the thing that that, 1700 feet of pulling myself uphill against the ground behind the knee some insertions there are sore but the quads actually last week i had to walk downstairs holding the railing for four days and this week i don't have any doms of uh of, of descending so already that that impact is being adjusted to watch out OCR stars, Bracken Crackers coming for you. Uh, it's coming. Why <laughs> did you only get 90 minutes of sleep? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, but uh, as you know, I am a, a bow hunter. I mm-hmm. deer hunt, and it's been opening weekend. I know not, I know some of our listeners probably all, all aren't on the camp of like supporting that, but um, I would rather have 
my hands on the food I eat instead of go buy it saran wrapped in a grocery store. And that's kind of where it starts. And I love being outside and I love covering ground on my feet and all those reasons I do it. It's great. Well, um, I was able to shoot a deer on Friday night. Congrats. Um, no, not congrats. Oh, oh, you lost it. Yeah. I'm like in, and you know, the ethical side of bow hunting, I know it's a running podcast. So I'll give this like two minutes, but the ethical side of bow hunting is like important to me. You take ethical shots you make sure it's clean, quick kill, and you make sure that you know the animal doesn't suffer. I don't like to go hunting these bang bang shoot 'em up like guys like to go out and kill things. Like I do not support that even a little, and so it really bothers me when I don't do something by my like moral standards. And so, um, so I shot this deer, and uh, it was a really nice eight pointer, and it ran off and. Five hours later, we still couldn't find it. It was two a.m. Uh, we tracked it for like a half mile. And we were just delirious. So I was like, I need to drive home and get some sleep because I'm not productive anymore. But the problem is it's summer still and it's warm. So if the deer did expire and we let it sit too long, then it's useless as well. So I drove home an hour and a half, got home at like 2.30 in the morning, set my alarm for four and got up at four, made the drive back to get out there in the morning when it was still cool to continue searching to do all I could to recover the deer and um, couldn't find it. And we had to go early because the day was going to get warm. And if the deer did expire, it would have you know gotten warm. That would have been bad. So that was my Friday night and Saturday morning. Much to my dismay, uh, I am sitting here in front of you venisonless and heartbroken. So 90 minutes of sleep, Bracken. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's a frustrating weekend. Well, no, it's okay. I mean, it's it's. I just feel bad for the deer. You know, I, that's that's where I actually am. It's more more like I was doing everything to do it justice, and I couldn't. So, uh, but I got nine hours of sleep last night, and now I feel like oddly like like coma toast drunk this morning. It's really bizarre. It's like I hibernated or something. That's mine. Well, keeping with our theme of our intros not relating whatsoever to our topic. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Ever since you told me about the Patagonia Houdini jacket. Yep. And I had been on the outdoor research helium jacket train prior to that, but they're a little pricier than Houdini. They're still cheap compared for to what you get from other products. Yeah. Uh, and ever since you told me about that and I went out and found it and bought it, uh, people have been bombarding me with messages asking for things that we use on a daily basis. They just want like the gear I use episode. So we're going to do it. I think we should. And that's a fantastic jacket, by the way, isn't it, Bracken? It is. Mm -hmm. I have it. I Right away, I folded it up into its own pocket and yeah. blew my children's mind. You can just throw that in the pocket of any item of clothing and it just fits right in there or you can fold it into itself. It's so, so fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great idea. And it's something that, you know, for being so gear heavy, like you're really gear minded. We haven't thought of doing this episode yet, which is just like, duh, we need to do this episode. I, I did a huge shoe episode back when I was with Benny yeah. and I talk gear a lot and I didn't want to be too tech heavy. Yeah. But if the people want it, give the public what they want and need. And you know what? I, I think a lot of people I've noticed a theme with questions. Like I think a lot of people are nerd, nerd out, out uh, like about the equipment side of things. I get more yeah. questions specifically about that than anything. So it's time we got to dive in. You know what? I used to, you get a feel for the athletes you're working with. 
Yeah. And some of them are doctors or lawyers or corporate level America workers. And some are blue collar out there grinding. And I sometimes get a feeling like, man, I kind of feel bad. Like I should give someone a discount because their income level is just lower than other people. And then they come back like, hey, I bought the, the Alpha Flies this weekend and I ordered three pairs of Innovate. And I realized, you know what? This is their passion project. So what they spend their money on. Yeah, they spend more money on their shoes and their supplements than they do on my coaching. And and I realized this this is people take it seriously and they enjoy products and tech and gear. So let's go all in on it. I agree. So we should start, as you'd mentioned before we began recording, is with the feet up. We should yeah. start from the bottom, work to the top, talk it out, go from there. When I got away from Spartan Racing after one year, I did it. I made the world podium. The sport was very small. It didn't feel like a significant accomplishment and there wasn't anywhere to go. I could have get two places better, but there wasn't much money. There wasn't, I was paying my own way. I decided it was cool. I'm going to move on. I talked about that in my get to know your host episode, but yep. at that point I transitioned to training for an Ironman. That was going to be my new challenge. And the best thing I read was that the things, the pieces of equipment that contact you to your bike or to the earth are your most important. So tires, pedals, handlebar, seat. Yep. Because comfort and mechanical efficiency always wins out. And with our sport, we only contact the ground in one place. And so it's got to start at the shoes for everyone. And everyone knows I'm a shoe fiend and I have a problem. And yeah, sure, maybe. I can stop whenever I want, but I don't want to stop because I mm -hmm. love shoes. But you have to have some sort of shoe knowledge to, to make things work. And so our caveat with this entire episode is going to be this. Do not do something just because someone that you know does it or someone that's fast does it. It has to work for you. So we're going to give you what we personally use and our rationale why. And you take that info to determine if it's going to work for you or to find something else. Yeah, that's a good preface to this conversation because it really is so individualized with everything. Yes. So, I mean... But we've also had how many combined years of experimentation with successes and failures? So over 40. Over 40. Yeah, there'll be enough perspective here. So let's start with the shoes and let's just jump right in. Yeah. Let's start with this because I think if we're going to talk shoes, this has nothing to do with sponsorships or anything, but we both are sponsored by VJ Shoes. Yes. I, I saw that we're talking racing shoes and we'll get into training shoes as well, but. I sought out VJ shoes on my own. They didn't seek me out because they tried to pair their shoes and I liked them. And I've been happy with them ever since. So I race right now in VJ shoes, half because they're very durable. I love my Hoka's. My, uh, mm -hmm. what's the blue? The Evo Jaws. The Evo Jaws are so fantastic. It's probably the best feeling racing shoe I've ever worn if you're going to wear them for one or two races. Mm -hmm. And then they blow out. The VJs are a good mix of speed and comfort, and they're built to last. And so that's the shoe I've landed on for racing and don't plan to go anywhere. Um, what about you as far as racing shoes go? Well, I have racing shoes for everything. So I, I will start by saying that I have been a VJ athlete for two or three years now, but my contract that I signed with them is the coolest contract I've ever seen. Yep. It says when it, it, it says what they will do for me, and then at the end it says what you will do for them. And my requirement is literally to, and I, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> entirely to their brand. I should wear 
VJ shoes when appropriate and when I feel it's the best shoe for the course. That is literally my contract with them. So I get as many shoes as I want. They help me out, but I only have to wear them when I think they're appropriate. And that, like, that sums up VJ shoes to me in general. So when I'm running OCR or trail races, if I am running under two hours, I am in VJ shoes every single time. The extreme for the vast majority of the races, the IROC, currently the IROC threes for anything that is really muddy, gnarly, requires the best grip that I can possibly find. And the maxes I use for long workouts and rocky firmer ground racing. So that's where I use my VJs. If I'm not in VJs, I'm in Innovate. Yeah, I really like love the X Talon lineup. They are fantastic. They are more comfortable to me than VJs are, and they fit a wider range of shoes. I mean, of feet in their shoes because VJ is historically stiff and narrow, yeah. but they do not have the longevity and they do not have as good of a rubber as, as VJ has. So that is my off-road trail racing. The only caveat there is that uh, I wear Hoka for all of my easy and recovery runs and for races longer than two hours. I love the Evo Speed Goat, the regular Speed Goat. I love the Challenger ATR as well. So those are my three Hokas that I wear every single week. One thing I would like to add to the VJ conversation real quick is I love their max for road running and track work. I mean, I did my 5K time trial before I got injured in mm -hmm. my maxes on the cement. They're actually oddly responsive. They're very firm rubber, but there's enough shoe there to like give back really nicely. And so I hate to say it, but if you want a versatile shoe, I've done all my speed work on the track in my maxes lately. Uh, not lately, but before I got hurt. And they're fantastic. The max is so because the 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 tread on the bottom is so like cubed and flat that it still strikes the cement or flat terrain like a road shoe kind of does, mm -hmm. but it has a little more ump. So like I think it's a fantastic shoe. If I run, for example, if I run a stadium race with a lot of turns, I'm going to wear the maxes over. And I have a bunch, you know, I just bought a bunch of Skecher mm -hmm. fast, flashy for when I run again, which is silly, but nothing holds my foot in and lets me navigate left and right as well either. So like, I think that max is a fantastic, like throw them on the track, see how you like them. I think it's just really versatile that people don't talk about with that shoe. And I can see it. I wore it when I did the at the time, the mile record for dribbling a basketball on the track, I wore the matches. Okay, good. Um, but I cannot take them on the road. I just need more shoe underneath me. So it does not work for me, but it works for a lot of people. I'm talking 5K or under. I still wouldn't. I've Even yesterday, I wore them on my 90-minute trail session, and we crossed a bike path a couple of times, and right away, as soon as I hit that, I thought, I'm just not comfortable on pavement in these. Oh, I love them on pavement. I know you do. Uh, and, and for the roads, um, I guess we got to talk roads because a lot of people run on the roads yes. constantly. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of my Hoka's as well, actually. Mm -hmm. I love them. Fit my foot well. Uh, that's what I do all my tempo and threshold work in. Any intervals longer than a mile. I'm in like my Hoka Clifton's, which is kind of crazy, but they work. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, do we want to add any more to the shoe conversation there? Oh, of course I'm going to. Yeah. All <laughs> right. I mean, we're going to be like a half hour in. We'll still be on them if I'd allow you to. I'll keep it concise. Okay, do it. <laughs> on the roads for easy and recovery days, I'm in the Hoka Clifton as well, but I will take my Evo Speed Goats on the road. They're okay. light. They're, the, the thing about the Evo Speed Goat is it is the regular Hoka Speed Goat stripped down a little bit. 
there's a little if the, the there's a little bit different version of their foam in it. The heel feels about the same cushion. The forefoot does feel noticeably less plush than the regular one. And the upper is stripped back for better ventilation and drying when wet. But what I found that leads to is a little more instability off trail. So I really love them for like a Tahoe type course, but I couldn't wear them in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Hammond wore the Speed Goat in West Virginia, but not the Evo version. You're right. I don't know how you would because they do rock a little bit back and forth. I've noticed yeah. that. Yeah. But on the road, that Evo Speed Goat feels like a really cushioned, more dynamic version of the Clifton. Anyways. And a great and a great middle ground on that is the Torrent is a fantastic shoe where yes. it uh, you see I saw people wear it in Big Bear, for example. Mm-hmm. But yet like the tread is so uh, not so aggressive where like I've done road runs on them because it's like it's a, such a good balance shoe, the torrent, and it's what like eight and a half ounces. It's like a, actually a really good shoe that I might just start putting in the rotation more. But look at the torrent as well, because it's just so if you think of like I know people are willing to buy gear. We just had this conversation, mm-hmm. even if they're not millionaires. You think of really well-rounded shoes, and if I'm just thinking out loud, like the Torrent and the VJ Max for me, like I could wear on the road or on the trails, up or down with both of them, and they would cover all my bases, and I could train yeah. in them or I could race in them. So I like I like both of those just because they're so, I don't know, multi-purposed. I have the Torrent as well. I, f- I feel like the Torrent is what would happen if um, Hoka tried to make the VJ Max. Totally. It's more of a stripped down shoe, but it's still a real shoe. It's not the big plush Hoka shoe. It's not at all. It's You're not running in a Hoka in that shoe. Um, on the road, if I am racing 10K or under, I am in Skechers, the Gomeb Speeds. I'm currently, I did all my work in the fives the last year and a half, and I'm in the sixes. They are as fast, light, and cushioned as anything I've ever run in. I've never, I have a pair sitting in my closet just being begged to be used. I don't know when it will be, but I've never felt a foam that is as squishy, but yet responsive is that shoe. There's like a technology in that sort. Hyperburst. The hyperburst technology is like, what is this airy material that's still forgiving, but yet responsive? Very like, I don't think I've found another shoe that I could compare it to. It's the new wave of TPU foam versus EVA. EVA is just your foam that it's blown foam. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's normal. TPU foam is where you take normal foam or different special foam and they they force inject uh, nitrogen bubbles into it. And so it literally is airier and lighter with more bounce, but also more cushion. Mm-hmm. And so Nike has the TPU with their Zumax and Zumax is fantastic. And Reebok has it with their float ride. Float ride is a really, I would not train in their shoes, but I would race in their float ride. They're run fast and they're run fast pro. Hmm. As good as it gets. And then Skechers has it as well. And now New Balance has done theirs with their their fresh foam, um, their fuel cell as well. They're messing with TPU and they're doing as good of things as anyone right now as well. So New Balance is, if I wasn't in Skechers, I, for my road racing shoes, I'd probably be looking at New Balance. But yeah, so I have the speed for my fast stuff. And then for tempo work or longer racing, I have the Skechers Razor 3. Got those two per your recommendation on sale. Yeah. And they are so light. They're like the old Nike Lunar Racer, but with more foam underneath with the same amount of weight. See, when I think of Skechers, 
like I'm going back to like middle school and high school and they made like this like skater yeah. style chill shoe. They entered the market with like no technology. And when you Dad kept bod telling shoes. me, yeah, like you kept telling me you were in love with Skechers and I was like, Bracken, you are off your marbles, man. Like this can't be a shoe that's legit. And then that dan those dang shoes came in the mail and I was like, oh, I get it. I didn't even put them on. I just walked around the house in them and it made sense to me. So check them out. If you find a sale, buy them. They started up a performance division a few years ago with some people who left other major shoe brands and they just started pouring in their R&D and they're as good as anything. And they had the first technology that I felt. They, they call it their M-Strike technology, which it's a bit of a rocker in their shoe, which is designed that you hit forefoot and it transitions you up to your toes. And it was the first shoe I put on, the, the Speed 5s I put on and I did a stride and I thought, I actually feel more efficient. I feel the little bit of propulsion moving forward. It's a baby version of what people are getting out of the, the vapor fly with the huge carbon plate rocker. So that's what I use on the roads. And that pretty much covers the spectrum of my shoes. I have more out there. I have the VJ Zarva, um, which has the carbide studs for winter running. And those are great, but I will add to the Zarva, the, the, that, or Sarva is that, um, I've never put a shoe on that fit like a glove. You think a studded shoe and I think it's going to be clunky and you got to break it in. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could have put that on and run 20 miles in it without a blister on my foot. I almost, it's amazing. Not almost. I wish they made the new extreme out of the Sarva's uh, entire footbed. Matt Gorski, did you hear that? We're talking to you. We need to get a Sarva with that extreme footbed. I would. That would be the best shoe ever made. I think Sarva is their best fitting shoe they make. Hands down. And because it has carbide studs, like doesn't mean it's just an ice and winter shoe. Like that thing feels like money on the trails. I wish we could wear them in races. If we could wear those in races, I would. Spartan races, I would choose that over probably the other three shoes. If it wasn't a rocky course, that's what I would wear. Like Jacksonville or West Virginia, any of those, I'd wear it there. Get on that, Matt. Make a version of that shoe without those studs in them. Last shoes I'll talk about then are stadium racing and uh, DecaFit slash High Rocks. So- yeah. For DecaFit and for Stadium, I just wear my road racing shoes. Either the the really light racing flats or like my lightweight trainers, which I would call my Razors or the Lunar Racers or what I always used to wear. But for High Rocks, you're never running much faster than half marathon pace. So you need less, you, you need a little bit more cushion underneath you or you're less, it's less necessary to be hyper, hyper light but you need traction because the sled push is so brutal on that hard industrial carpet that you need something. So I actually wore the Evo Speed Goat to my second race. Uh, the first one I did in the Adidas Adios 3s because they have continental rubber on the bottom and they did decently well, but they just wear down really fast. So something with a little bit more grip on the bottom. The Pegasus Turbo is a shoe I love and it has decent grip. Um, something along those lines are fantastic for um, for high rocks. Yeah, and to think in high rocks, you're running like threshold pace. You're running yep. like you know you're running like a ten mile time trial pace. You don't need something that's four or five ounces. You need something that's going to give you grip and hold up. Yeah, yeah. The, the Pegasus Turbo is probably my favorite overall shoe in terms of just the way it feels when I am in it, mm. but. They're not super durable, so I stick with my my Skechers Razor. So yeah. that wraps up my shoe game for me. This will be, the, and that's going to be the 
what we spend the most time talking about will be the shoes here. So we'll move on a little quicker from here. But I mean, we only gave you like 20 shoes to check out. Not a big deal. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Should we go to socks? Yeah. My sock game is real simple. I run in two socks. I run in three. Okay. I have Swiftwick for 90% of my needs. I really like Swiftwick. They use olefin fibers in there, which is just a very lightweight fiber that does not absorb much water. I've never blistered in the Swiftwick and I have worn Swiftwick twos or twelves. When they have their numbers on it, it refers to how, how far above no-show inches it extends. So the two just comes up over your ankle bone. 12 is full over the calf. I've worn two or 12 for every single beast or ultra I've ever done in my life. What's the price point on the Swiftwick? You can get them for 11 to 15 bucks per sock. And I have never ripped through one. In fact, from 2012, I bought my first pair training for the 2012 World Championships in Killington. Mm -hmm. It was stolen off the top of my car in Tahoe in 2017 or 18. It was the same shoe, and I wore it for every single beast I'd ever run. I mean, it was the same sock. I, I just washed it, and that was it. Never showed sign of wear. So I bought my second pair to replace that, and I've worn it ever since. That's pretty good, uh, I don't know, return on investment, I would say. People have a really hard time spending money on socks. And years ago, I did too. You buy the cheap pack of six, and I get six pairs for 10 bucks. And they end up breaking down and you spend more money if you're really on your feet as much as we are. And you got to think like, I'm running, I'm biking. I spend all day on my feet, personal training in the gym. I wear the same socks and all through rotations. So like the return on investment you get out of a nice pair of socks is huge. Like quit buying cheap socks. You'll notice the difference right away. And I know a few of you out there have a, a pack of cheap Nike socks that uh, you bought at Foot Locker and like don't Do like really. No, just stop. Just please stop. You're going to be so happy you made the switch. Mm -hmm. I, my, my socks are, I really like my Fit Socks. They have a cheaper versions and more expensive versions. The Fit Socks are fantastic. My pairs are 18 bucks a pop. Uh, the version I buy or 16. I just ordered seven. In fact, there's might be in my mailbox. I didn't check it yesterday because I was brain dead. I've not worn Fitsock. Fantastic. Fitsock does a really nice job and they have it. They're like road line in a sense. Like you can barely see the tops of them. They sit right where they should. They last forever and um, really nice balance of like fit, but like just enough to them where like they give you just a little extra cushion. I like that. So my Fitsocks are great. Uh, Mud gear. I am a, I mean, I still have, the same, I got on board with them in 2017. I still have a couple pairs of socks that are in my rotation from 2017 that I still wear. They make the, the ankle and the no show. They're fantastic. Mud gear, a little more like beefy sock, mm -hmm. but man, do they hold up? I mean, that's been my race sock since 2017. And I okay. still choose to race in it. And then uh, Darn Tough makes it, Darn Tough Vermont makes great. Great, especially their merino wool socks are just like fantastic. Yep. So those are the ones that I, I have in my rotation. So I'm the opposite of you. I will not race in mud gear because they're too thick for me. I like thinner feel, but yeah. the, I run every winter run in my mud gear socks. And great, I yeah. stopped being sponsored by them last year, and I still run all my winter runs in those. They dropped all their sponsorships because I think they're just watching their budget a little yep. bit. Yeah. yeah, no hard feelings there. Just no, it, it wasn't going for me. And, and darn tough, I do not wear anymore. I had one pair. I liked them. I just didn't like them more than Swiftwick, and I trusted Swiftwick. But if people want merino wool, you go to darn tough because they guarantee their socks for how long, Kirk? Life. 
for life. So for life. if you're having a hard time buying an 18 or $20 pair of socks, go buy one. And if they ever go wrong, they just replace it for you. Yeah. And they're, and, and they make some like, we're talking about winter running. I know it's summer, but winter is inevitable. The mud gear is a great, uh, a great option just to, to keep those toes warm. But the darn tough makes even like a more bulletproof sock. I raced in it. I, I raced it in a Tahoe. So that'd be the first time I actually did not race in my mud gear because it had just like enough to it. And it was 30 degrees out and it made sense. And the thing is when you get like those more plush socks, they're more likely, I feel like your foot's more likely to shift around in your shoe. Yep. And when they get wet, the mud gear darn tough do not. That's how I landed on them. I, I've tried a number of socks and Christ mud gear was another company that I wore their products and then reached out about sponsorship and said, Hey, I'm Kirk. Nice to meet you. Like, because I believed in the product before I bought it. So, um, I just think sometimes think people think like heavier sock and then you think sloppy and those two companies are not. And so they're good ones to go to if you, if you like a heavier sock. Now, because of my track background, our track background, I have a hard time feeling fast wearing socks because you mm. just don't really wear socks with spikes. So I race barefoot a lot with all sprints. I'm barefoot. And even in like your VJs and innovates and all that innovates for sure. Innovates never caused me issues. Uh, one pair did, but when I'm not sockless, I wear athletic peds, like the type that women wear under their mm -hmm. casual shoes. I wear an athletic. Men wear those too. <laughs> Darn right. They do. Sperry, Sperry topsider loving men wear those, uh, those little things. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm a sockless guy with my spare. But there was a Reebok made the pair I liked the most because it was the most durable, but it also was not thick. It was super thin. So I'd put those on. It basically just protects your toes and your heel, the two hot spots where things could rub. And yeah, I've worn those with VJs, Innovate, Hoka. Uh, I wear them in all my stadium races because stadium races, I would go sockless, but we turn so much that I just don't want to risk chafing in hot spots. So I wear them for all of that. And I burn through those. If I get five races out of a pair, I'm really happy. But I usually get a three pack for 12 or 15 bucks and I keep them going. And they just look so sexy on your feet when you're not wearing shoes too. They just look real nice. on, the, real on those. Yeah, real pretty. Um, let's move off from the socks, right? I will just say though, if I could choose only one sock, it would be Swiftwick and the Aspire line. Swiftwick makes cushion. They, they have like a Nexus line, Aspire, Pursuit, all these things. They make ski and snowboarding specific socks. I race in the Aspire and train in it. It's thin, but not hyper thin, but it's thin enough. And they make every range of height for that. So anyways, my specific one is the Swiftwick Aspire. Got to get that out there. I don't think I'm quite as particular uh, with my sock game as you are. I am. I'm picky about everything. But if I could pick one, it would be my mud gear still. If I had to think what it would cover all the seasons and what I'm happy with for most performances. They they came out with a really short like ankle sock last year, mud gear did, and it is uh, lighter than okay. like the like the higher cut version. And those are just a fantastic sock. Have you run in that one? I have not. Yeah, they're great. It's like an ankle. It's fantastic. Okay. Let's uh what's next? If we're working our way up the leg, I think we're getting to let's talk underwear, bracket, yep. undies, skivvies. So I've tried many, many types of, of performance running underwear because I am not about uh, wearing just the flimsy liner in split shorts, and I'm not about wearing compression shorts with nothing underneath. It's mm -hmm. a family show. We're not about that. <laughs> so I have settled on jockey microfiber briefs. Okay. That fits me the best. It chafes the least. 
One of the things you run into with these performance briefs is that they're too narrow. They end up riding up your crack a little bit. They don't fully hold all the boys in if you're bouncing around doing OCR stuff. How many, Jack, all, all the boys? How many, how many boys you got going more on? Than one it requires all. <laughs> all the boys. All the boys. Okay. It extends slightly farther out onto the thigh. It's still a normal brief cut, but it's not like a bikini brief. And so it keeps me in place. I do not chafe in it. And again, I've worn this for everything from a one mile race all the way up to an ultra. What's the price point on those? I think I get three or five in a pack for 20 bucks. They've oh, wow. discontinued them and I'm on my last pack. So I have to find a replacement for it. 20 bucks for three to five is cheap. I pay 70 60 or 70 for three pairs of underwear. Granted, they feel oh so smooth against the skin, but uh, that's a way better bargain if you really like them. I do really like them. And they used to be like $8 for three pair because they weren't intended to be anything other than breathable briefs for men on a daily basis, but I found they worked perfect for running. Mm, that's a good recommendation. And for the record as well, so the public knows, it's the only situation that I wear bikini briefs in my life. <laughs> We've gone to the beach together, Bracken. You don't have to lie. Well, at the beach, but I'm talking under as as skivvies, as base layer. I'm a boxer brief man until I run, and then I put on those tactical briefs, and we get rolling. I am. When I first got into the sport, so I wear these just in life. I wear these H H and M sport trunks. Okay, yeah, they're like like three bucks for fifteen of them. They're like shortcut, maybe like a six four to six. Three cut. bucks for fifteen, or fifteen for three. Let's go with 15 for three. I was going to say, Kurt, you Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, I am like in this weird state of mind this morning after not sleeping. But, uh, and so I was racing. It's the only pair of underwear I had. So I was racing in these thick cotton H&M H &M trunks for years. And they just like sop up water in your compression gear. And they really, but the one thing I liked about them, and this is, I've never shared this with anybody, Bracken is that like where your package is, they're kind of layered over so you can, you know, they have like the little seam so you can use it to go to the bathroom. Well, the water really bunches up there. So it makes your unit just look gigantic in the compression <laughs> shorts because they're just so like cottony and full. So I, I thought about changing them for years and then I was like, man, I don't know. And I would get comments on photos from like creepy people on the internet sometimes. But ultimately, I realized that performance was more important than, you know, show. So I made the switch to underwear and I haven't looked back. But hey, if you want to go and impress some people, wear those H&M uh, sport, tr &M sport, sport trunks on the, with your compression shorts. There's the tip of the day, folks. Uh, you can't say tip in this episode. <laughs> I just looked downstairs and Jess is smirking <laughs> as I'm talking. Uh, hello, Jess. <laughs> Jess is walking in the background. She's doing laundry. Um, okay. Uh, underwear, anything else we want to grab on under there? You know, other than that, I still pair everything I do with a little spritz of body glide. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. If I'm going longer than an hour. I put one body glide swipe on the underwear line just, just to make sure. Chafing just, it's like overtraining. It's, I don't want to miss a day. And if I'm if I'm all rashed up or you you got you got chafing, I don't want to miss a run because of that. That's dumb. You know, I found the the underwear briefs, like the bikini briefs as you call them, 
they can they can grab in that like leg seam in there. And I, I went uh, on a two hour run and actually had lines all along. So the body guy would be good for those. I switched to their boxer briefs like style, and now they're they're money. So I like those a little more for that gotcha. reason. Yeah. So then shorts. I pretty much run in two shorts. I have the craft shorts that we got with being on the Spartan protein, and I really yep. like those. But I wear Nike split shorts for everything else. I really, really like Nike split shorts. They dry the fastest. They fit my legs the best. And so that's what I stick with. Whenever I find them on sale, I buy a pair or two. Craft mm-hmm. makes them really nice. Uh, which version of the craft short is it? I think I got the four inch. Yeah, they make a four and a six inch and they they feel pretty racy. They cover just enough of your leg if you're a little self-conscious of the thighs, but uh, they're still short enough to give you full range of motion. So I like that short. Thank yeah, you. I, I'll go ahead. I was gonna say then compression shorts is what I wear more often though. Yeah, in training. And racing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been on, you know, I was a 2XU guy for years. And they make a, a 2XU makes a really nice MCS compression, which is like this muscle hugging technology. And on the inside of the, the the shorts, they have like a little bit of like grippy weaving, I would call it. And something that happens with compression gear is often that if it gets wet or you're, like, it kind of slips down and you end up having what I call like diaper ass. Like it's like, it, and then it can restrict your leg movement if the shorts slip down. And I thought the MCS version of 2XU finally got it right where it kind of, it just stuck to your thighs. It didn't want to come down. Um, but I moved on since to virus and I know you wear virus as well. Yeah. Um, I will say there's a big discrepancy in some of their models. Like they're very different. One model fits completely different than the other model, but they're all good in their own right. I have now landed on virus and I will be wearing virus pretty much, um, pretty much for all my racing and training. It's, I'm just grabbing my virus now and they make longer cut, shorter cut, more material, less material, more support, less support. But the theme with them is they all seem to really like kind of stay put on my legs once they're there. And I really like that. So I'm a huge virus fan. And then if I am wearing loose shorts right now, it is it is craft. I don't know what version. I think it's the same one you wear. Um, I may even start racing in it just because I like how free my legs feel, but they still stay put. So um, that one craft short, the four or six inch and then virus is is pretty much everything I'm wearing on the shorts front. That makes sense. I, I race in virus a lot training them a little bit. They're more snug. They're tighter on me. They just fit smaller. And I actually don't like the feel of compression. I like a, I like a more of a spandexy feel. I might size up with the virus. Yeah. Yeah. I would start by sizing up. Mm-hmm. And they shrink if you, if you like, and if they're too big and you wear them and then wash them once and dry them, which you're not supposed to do, then they'll probably fit perfectly. So I would err on a size up. I agree. I really like training and compression that is not compressive. So the Nike Pro line, I really like for that. Reebok makes some. Adidas, their uh, tech fit line, I like a lot. I just have a mishmash of compression shorts from throughout the years. Mm-hmm. But for racing, yeah, I, I tend to go towards Virus. And that's a brand I was getting for free for a while. And You were? Yeah. And I, How? Uh, just because they liked my quads. Ah, uh, you do have nice quads. Uh, but, but that stopped. And... And I still use them because there's a I like theme them. with your sponsorships here, Bracken. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, first is that I'm terrible at social media. Oh, Second, I, I haven't raced in a year, and third is COVID. So, man, odds are against us. So, I, but I still, I, I feel it speaks well to the brand if they stop supporting me and I still wear them. Hmm. And then long tights. There's only two options for me: Nike 
and craft at this point. Craft makes such a good type, man. I am so thankful Spartan partnered with Craft because we started getting those merch codes for podium bonuses. Mm-hmm. And their thermal tight, their winter running tight is the best, most comfortable winter running tight I've ever worn. So great. I, I've ha- I have a pair of wind blocker from Nike that are not as comfortable, but they really do a good job blocking wind. But I wear the craft now probably 90% of my winter runs because mm-hmm. I like them so much. But I only like their winter version. Their Spartan version that they have, I don't like that very much. It sags, it's not comfortable, but the winter version is a little bit almost fleecy. And it just sits and it's so comfortable. In fact, I wore that for the 90 minutes on Saturday because I wanted my knees to be extra warm because oh. surgery and such. And such. I, I wear those. I have... You know, I just looked at my closet actually this morning, and I think I have about 40 pairs of compression shorts and about 30 pairs of compression tights. I have a problem with that bracket. Okay. There's a, here's, yeah, my intervention might need to happen in regards to tights. But I also in the winter really like a looser fitting because I just feel like I, I wear like a Brooks fleece lined. Uh, I have a craft uh, fleece lined as well. They're fantastic. Um, when it gets real cold, sometimes you just need a barrier. You and I are different there. We are different, but I just feel like I need a barrier. My legs heat up a little more and I like to run hot. So I'll, I'll wear a, a thin pair of craft and then over them, I'll put a fleece line pant if it's below 15 degrees and that really helps. When it was negative 48 or 52 with wind chill that day, I ran in underwear, compression shorts and my craft thermals over the top and that was it. And you were good. Yeah, yeah. I, my legs are never cold. It's, it's like hands, face forearms it's the knees though the knees are the problem when it gets cold like that and you're gonna have knee situation if you have one layer over the knee that's what i that's what i notice on me and then if you don't wear enough layers you get back inside and those knees just ache for an hour or two at least i experienced that and i've never had that but now with two knee surgeries this year i think i'm gonna have to bundle up a bit more but so i'm simple down low craft for pants um and virus for compression shorts or something flimsy i even the east bay stuff East Bay makes really light, like seven to nine dollar compression shorts that are not mm-hmm. compression at all, and I train in those a ton. Yeah, there's another company called Gore. I don't know if you've worn yep. Gore. Uh, they have that non compression compression feel as well, where you put them on, you kind of you can't even tell you're wearing anything. Yeah, uh, I love they, that. Uh, the Gore the Gore makes a nice little line too, and and so I I rotate through those at least I I do for training. Um, That's a good segue to upper body then for me. If I'm wearing a shell, a long sleeve top, a wind shell. Uh, Anything that's supposed to be fleecy or warm, I think you cannot go wrong with Gore, Kraft, or Solomon. None of them. Those three brands will last forever, and they will handle the elements. And that's all I have that I wear. I have other things in my closet that I've received throughout the years or tested out. But I think at this point, almost 100% of my winter runs that are actually cold, like 10 degrees or under happen in my Salomon soft shell. Yeah. And I don't, I have two of them and I've had them for five years and you cannot tell that I've had them for five years and I'm probably going to have them for 10 more. Well, if we're talking like cold weather running, which we are right now or cooler weather running, I am probably the biggest advocate of the vest because it keeps your trunk warm, but your arms free and it's just not restrictive at all. I have a couple Solomon jackets, by the way, and I do like them, but I would push people towards the vest. I have a New Balance and a Craft vest. And then you can layer underneath that too, like thin, like for example, the Craft Merino wool long sleeve, the Spartan version, they make it in like for men yellow and light gray. 
is the most comfortable. It's like, if it's hot out, it keeps you cool somehow. And if it's cold out, like it keeps you warm somehow. It's like a miracle shirt. It's a miracle material. I might have to grab one of those. There, I mean, it's the hands down. And I love my mud gear long sleeve stuff. It dries quick. It's nice. Nothing even touches the craft long sleeve merino. And the way it fits, it feels like the non-compression compression feel you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so if it's real cold out, I'll layer like a like a craft merino. I'll put a little looser fitting mud gear over that. Those are all long sleeve, and then I'll lay my vest on it. And it is so money, dude. But anyways, if I could tell anybody for one long sleeve piece of equipment, it would be that craft merino long sleeve. It is one of the best upper body pieces of equipment I've ever put on. I, and that's what I was going to say. If you could only buy one thing of everything, like one sock for me, it's Swiftwick, one thermal pant, it's my craft thermal, one soft shell or jackety windbreaker, it's my Solomon Equipe uh, half zip, mm -hmm. and one base layer's got to be merino. Merino. I wear merino everything. It's it's the it it retains the most warmth when wet of any thread known to man. Mm -hmm. and it regulates temperature as well as anything. So if you have one long sleeve base layer that also could be worn as just your normal layer or over the top of like a t-shirt or something, it's got to be Merino. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. If, if I could pick one piece of upper body just in, in general, it would be that Merino long sleeve for sure. So, um, and then other than that on the top, if I had to pick a t-shirt or a cutoff, I am still a mud gear fan through and through. Same. So, the way those shirts feel, man, on your body is is fantastic. They make a great cutoff and they make a great short sleeve. They make a great long sleeve as well. They wick water really quickly. They hug the body, but not too tight. Like you wear some of that Under Armour stuff or you wear, um, what's the other brand that makes, uh, even 2XU compression, it's just too restrictive. I like fitted tops and, and, and tight bottoms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's that, that fitted, but it has some sway like through the belly and, and waist, but the, through the chest and the upper arm and shoulder, it's pretty snug, but it's not tight. That's what I like in the upper body. I'm I'm big chested. I'm yeah, you big are. Fella. And so all that compression stuff doesn't work for me because it fits nice in the waist, but my, my man boobs just like they, they get, and then I get restricted in the chest and feel like I got to fight for a deep breath sometimes. Mud gear just is a, is a nice balance of that. So I would say that. And um, I think we talked about the other, the other cold weather gear. Yeah. All that remains up top for me. It, I mean, singlet, you can go with anything. I really like rabbit for singlets right now. They make uh, really perforated singlets and it's the, the coolest I've worn in hot weather, but is, is rain gear. We got to talk rain gear. If money's no option, I think you go with Gore. Their Shake Dry, I think R7 or R5, they have a lot of different products they make, but their Gore Shake Dry material is the best on the planet, in my opinion. Hmm. It's, it's the lightest, most breathable, and most waterproof. Those are the three things you look for in, in waterproofing is light, breathable, and waterproof and they are at the top of all three it's unbelievable however you can't go wrong with craft and again you can't go wrong with solomon but i stick with i have the patagonia houdini right now and i had the which is not which is not waterproof it is dwr treated so it's water resistant which Correct. basically means you can withstand light rain but a downpour you're going to be soaked i mean 
Yeah, the thing I like about that jacket, and that's the one that I, when I found that jacket, I was like, "How did I not discover this thing?" Because it weighs half an ounce. It doesn't weigh half an ounce. I don't know what it weighs. Yeah, whatever's less than that. Um, is it does such a good job if you're looking at like not bogging yourself down, especially in a race. The way that thing retains heat, it is thinner than a sheet of paper. I would say thinner than a sheet of paper, wouldn't you, Bracken? Yeah, it has to be thinner than paper. Uh. I can go out and run in 15 degree weather. And it's soft. It's not it's soft. soft. Yeah. And I can go out and run with a t-shirt and that Patagonia Houdini jacket on in 15 degrees. It blocks all the wind from hitting my skin. And it's like a little like sauna in there and it retains all my body heat. It's one of the most incredible pieces of equipment for like minimizing like volume of clothing with maximizing just trapping body heat. It's such a brilliant piece. And like in Tahoe, I wore that Patagonia jacket during the swim. I said, screw it. Like, I know this thing's going to dry. By the time we were to the bottom of the mountain, that was, and it's a cold, balmy day. It's not like things are going to dry. It was like 22 degrees or 26. Right. That jacket bone dry by the time we got to the bottom of that first descent after doing the lake swim. And my body had heated right back up because that thing acted like a, like a thermos. And it was incredible. In fact, I was so hot when I got to the bottom, I had to take my gloves off and everything in 20 or 30 degrees because it kept me so warm. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a nice jacket for and bang for your buck. It's a hundred bucks if you buy it full price. I think that's worth the investment. I got three of them now. Nice. The counterpart to that, Solomon makes one that's around 100, 120 bucks. And Outdoor Research makes the Helium. I think they're on the Helium 2 jacket now. And okay. that's generally about 140, 120. So those are the three, I think, if you're not looking to break the bank for wind stopper and water resistance in one, you go there. But if you're looking for true waterproof, then I think you go to the master, which is Gore, or you can go craft. Okay. The other option is go cycling. Cycling does a really good job with theirs because you're not moving the way you're moving and running, but you have higher winds. And so their cycling jackets generally do a pretty good job. Honestly, I have a $100 Marmont um, rain jacket. And there's really so few times you're going to wear something like that. If you're racing, you're not going to wear a rain jacket probably. So it's like a rare, cold, rainy day in training in which you wear it. So I actually just go cheap. I have a, like a bulkier Marmont wa waterproof jacket I wear. And I just don't know. Like you got to be pretty pretty into this all to spend money on a waterproof run jacket because how often you get to me it's a race equipment if you're doing a long race yeah until last year i didn't wear a raincoat in training one time ever if it was pouring i just wear compression so that i didn't chafe and i just run in the cold rain and you get through it just fine some people yeah. can't handle that so you need one of those three jackets we talked about right around 100 bucks and you'll be fine yeah moving up from there I'm going to talk hands real quick. I do not spend money on gloves or mittens. I and buy I cheap fleece and I've never, ever regretted it. I wear those $1 cotton gloves from 40 degrees down to 20. And when I get below, maybe below freezing, then I throw on some sort of cheap fleece that I get at uh, generally uh, Sierra Trading Company or maybe it's just Sierra, whatever it is. It's cheap online. I think I paid six bucks for mine. They've lasted me three years. I just don't spend much money on it. Put on a nice pair of Kraft or Nike or Saucony running gloves 
And, you know, they got the little finger deal if you want to pull out your phone quick and change I the music. A nice pair of Nike. They just, they're not game changers to me. For me, if you just put on a shell mitten, it's enough in cold weather. Yep. Buy a shell mitten, spend money on that if you need to, which might be 30, 40 bucks. And you can put a, a thin $1 cotton glove underneath that. And you're going to have everything you need for cold weather running. The shell mitten is key and it's underutilized in the running world. Yeah, I use it all the time. They're great. And then just if we're talking OCR, um, the Blag mitts, uh, I really, really like the Blag mitts. So if you need them, I'm sure if you if you do OCR, you've seen them and you probably already have them if warm hands is an issue for you. My shell is outdoor research and I have their flurry mitten. It's actually a woman's mitten because the men's, they stopped making it at the time I was looking. So I just got women's larger XL or whatever, and it works with my tiny hands. But it's like a $30 mitten that is wool, and it is so money. Yeah. Oh, I can take that to, to below zero. Cool. Um, I'm a big fan. I don't know why, Ryan. I guess just because the accessories are cold weather gear mm-hmm. for head uh, and feet, but or head and hands. But uh, I'm a buff wearer. I wear a thin buff in the winter over my neck. I think that's better than like a face mask pulled all the way over and then down the buffs just do a really nice job. I like a thin buff that you can breathe through. You know, when you first get those five minutes of your run, run and that wind is stinging and it kind of hurts your lungs uh, to breathe it in, just put a thin buff over your nose until you kind of acclimate. I really like that. And then again, I'm on top. I'm a craft hat guy now. Once you put their stuff on and you realize like they do a really nice job. Yes, I've gotten some of these products for free because of Spartan and my sponsorship. However, I would buy them with my own money now that I've worn them. So I'd steer steer you that way. Wait for a sale on Spartan's website and go buy. That's what I would do. I think until it's really cold, it doesn't matter. I cut off t-shirt sleeves and I wear that a lot over my ears when it's, you know, 30, 20 degrees. I I wear Nike, Mizuno, Adidas, like every New Balance. They all make a comfortable thin hat and they're all fine. But when it gets cold, I now do not wear anything but craft on my head. It's just mm-hmm. so good. Solomon also makes great headwear, but they're just as pricey. And I had a discount for craft. Yeah. And you'll see people talking the other end of the spectrum. Like I run in a hat every day. I have my legacy old favorite, which is like a baseball cap, which I wear in life, which I don't, I should never wear. I have like 20 of them. I should never wear working out, but I do. But like the Boko, like you see us all wearing these nerdy looking running hats. They look stupid. They got flat brims. You can flip them up. Uh, the Boco brand, I think it's B-O-C-O. Yep. I'm a convert through and through to Boco. You are. They're just a great damn hat. And they just soak up sweat, wick it away quick. And it just gives you that look and feel that you need to work hard. So I love my Bocos. I started wearing a hat when I started buzzing my head really short because I needed to keep the sun off of it. And then I had to keep wearing it because Wisconsin has such bad deer flies that I need something covering my head and neck. And so I wear head sweats. I really like Solomon's XA hat, but Boko in terms of breathability, there's no hat out there that I've worn that's as good as Boko's mesh hats. So when I'm, it's hot and I'm working hard, I'm in Boko. And if I'm keeping stuff off me, then I'm in head sweats or Solomon. Yeah, yeah, Boko's got it figured out. And you need a barrier to drop that, keep that sweat from dropping into your eyes too, I guess. You don't have a mop on your head like I do currently to soak that up on the way down. I'm working on a unibrow, but I can't connect it, so that doesn't help me either. Oh, I could fill that in with a little makeup, I bet. Just a big of a gap. Uh, let's go to technology, brother. 
So let's move to, again, we could spend a whole episode on this. I don't know if we want to touch on it today. I think we just, you know, gloss it over. And then if we want to do a technology episode, we do. Let us know if you want a technology episode and we'll dive all in. We can spend an hour on that easy. But let's start start with your headphones. I've used a lot of headphones. I've tried uh, J-Sport. Um, their Jaybird Freedom, I think it's Jaybird, not Jsport. Jaybird Freedom. I've tried uh, a couple of theirs. I've tried uh, Panasonic. I've st- several different models. My favorite workout headphone is the Apple AirPod. <laughs> really? Yeah, it they is. work. They stay in your ear. Well, the version one and two, no, but I bought these little rubber wings that you put over the top and it just clicks, kind of like clips right into your ear and they stay. Um, But the AirPod Pros are money for that as well. So those are actually my two go-tos. Other than that, I think it's a a JBL. Ah, You you go, I'm going to look it up. This is the one that I use when I'm not wearing one of those, but you talk yours now. Well, I mean, I've gone through so many over the years. We all have, and I have one. I will not go from this. It's the Jaybird Run XT. It's a Mm. line that came out last year. Comes with three or four different ear sizes to slip on. It's got good sound, decent bass, almost good as Bose. I mean, I can literally get them wet as I want because of the sweat, or even if I had to go into some water, I think they'd hold up. Jaybird Run XT is a fantastic. You know, they all have the good technology in them. I can just click my ear and skip to the next song if I'm bored with what I have. Yeah. I can pause and start with the functions on it. I think it's like $120 to $160 price point. And they stick in my ear perfectly. Sounds great and very easy functionality. I don't have to get my phone out to change anything if I want to listen to music or podcasts. I can uh, I can access it all just from the, the button on the outside of the tiny little ear plug. And it works great. Jaybird Run XT. I, I don't plan on changing from that. You know, I had Jaybird uh, Blue Buds Export and it never fit my ears. See, the... Their their recent models have gotten so much better. I had an early model a few years ago, and then I was like, ah, I'm going to upgrade and just see, because they were talking about, they were selling me on their advertisements, the fit okay. and the durability. Much, much different now than the old Jaybirds were, in my opinion. Okay. Ear Buddies with a Z is the rubber uh, little wing I add to the AirPod originals to go in there, and they sit perfect. But I actually have a pair, uh, I think they're called, uh, Crusher. It was a startup um, that I saw and I got in, I, I paid like a $39, you know, early entry fee for them. And they only last about two hours, but they're totally wireless. They sit in my ear and they do not move during workouts. Yeah. So that, that That's what I go with anytime I want to really sweat and not care about it. I wear those, but yeah, I, as soon as true wireless earphones came out, my running got a whole lot more comfortable. And so I either run with a little waist belt and uh, put my phone in there and do Spotify or Pandora or whatever. But I also have a Mighty. Have you seen those Mighty Audio? They look like the old little like square sh- iPod shuffle, oh. except it syncs to your Spotify playlist. So if you have a Spotify premium, you can stream all of your your spotify playlist through there so it's just one little clip you just put on your shorts or whatever and then i run with that so those are the two things i use and if i'm using waist belt i have a craft waterproof waist belt for if it's going to rain or if i'm going to sweat a ton otherwise i really really love my nathan um vapor car waist belt 
Okay. I use my flip belt still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the flip belt because it's got compression all the way around it instead of a like a click. Uh, and that's buckle. how the Nathan is too. Yeah, and it's just, they're simple and, and they feel like a nice even distribution of the compression around your waist. Doesn't, it rides up a little bit, but what doesn't once you get bouncing around a lot. So I like that. And I have a cheap, uh, oh God, I don't even know the name. It's it's a it's a click uh, belt, but it, it works well. I usually put my phone in that now instead of putting an armband on just because phones are too big and obnoxious nowadays, like to be yeah, putting yeah. it on your arm. I also will, I mean, we didn't get into vests. We didn't get into all sorts of that stuff. Um, let's keep it a technology thing for a second. Let's go to the heart rate monitor. Um, I have you to thank for this because I always wanted the data, but, and stuck with the, the chest strap and stuck with the chest strap being big chested. I'm a little bigger up top. And then I narrow out and those chest straps just fall down on me every time. And I got to adjust them. I was having ribs come out of place because of the compression. Once they start breathing heavy, hated them. I don't care what brand it was. And I just gave up. I gave up on my, my chest strap. I said, it's just not worth it anymore because I'm futzing with it every three minutes. And I hate it. I hate you, chest strap. And then you turn me on to the Wahoo Ticker Fit armband and my life has been forever changed. I've probably recommended it to 100 people already to this point. I have you to thank. You put it on your bicep. Can't quite handle my bicep, so I put it put on it my forearm. It. Just below the delt. Yeah, I put mine on my forearm. Data is as accurate as any of the chest strap. I wore them both at the same time. And it's a little delayed, like by a second or two, like I noticed, like it's just a delayed reading, but it's still accurate. So I love that Wahoo ticker fit armband strap. It sank with my Garmin, like automatically somehow, like I did no futzing with it. It's just a great product. I will never go back to a chest strap. So thank you for that. I know you're going to give the same recommendation unless you have others that I don't know about. Yeah, I think it's one of three options, whether you're going chest or, or arm. Skosh makes the rhythm. It's the other armband and the other other is polar. It's like OX1 or something. So polar, skosh, or Wahoo all make a comparable armband. And it's really just which one you think looks better because they all function pretty much identically and they're great. I've raced in them. I've trained in them. You can do anything in it. You can lift in it. You can clean without hitting your, your strap on your chest. It doesn't fall down. If you're doing heart rate strap on the chest, polar, Garmin. Skosh, uh, Wahoo, they all make pretty comparable products. So it's just about finding the one that works for your price point and that is comfortable for you. I wear the Garmin when I'm on a bike or mm. if I'm running uphill just to keep my armband fresh for other runs because I don't want to sweat in it every day. But I can't wear it on the flats because I have a weird shaped torso, torso. It just doesn't work for me. It just falls right down. I think most people have the same issue with the chest strap. It just doesn't fit the way you'd want it yeah. to. Yeah, and and if you're going off of your watch's heart rate data, the the watch, you know, if you're only um, putting faith in your watch wrist unit that's built in, um, you might as well just throw that data in the trash. Yeah, it's absolute bullshit. It's going to be missing things. It's going to be higher, lower, up or down, or all off, depending on. Uh, a lot of factors. I would not put stock in your heart rate data if you're only going off of your watch's built-in unit. They're just technology is just not there yet. I just keep mine off. It's it's more frustrating than anything else. It, you start it works decently well if it's on the inside of your wrist and you don't have arm hair and you have really pale skin. And you keep it nice and tight. Yeah, if it, and it has to be super tight. You can't allow light in from the side. So. Anyone with any amount of pigment in their skin is screwed. 
Anyone with arm hair is screwed. Anyone who doesn't like things tight on their wrist, like myself, you're screwed. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And it's like when I used to just use that after I ditched the chest strap and I go for an easy run and have 180 heart rate average, but then I go do tempo work and my heart rate average is 115. <laughs> I was like, this thing is such junk. It's, it's, it's almost, it's almost laughable that companies still try to like put it in there and sell it off as like useful, I don't know, technology. It's just And not since there. it adds a bump on the bottom of the watch, I would just prefer it not to be there because it's, it's an annoyance. You know what I hate to say? Garmin makes watches. You know, you have Sunto. You have a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the damn Apple Watch is the most accurate still. In heart rate? In heart rate. I watch my my people work out in the gym because I'm in the gym personal training. And I'll say, I bet that heart rate's up there, guys. Check your watch real quick. I'm just curious. And across the board, I'll have everybody be like, I'm at 155. I'm at 165. I'm at 160. Um, the Apple Watch seems to be the most accurate, which is bizarre to me for some reason. I just wouldn't think Apple would put stake in that technology. But I think the square flatness of that wrist, like mm -hmm. just the face, I think maybe just sits a little better and gets a more accurate reading. But I still think it's garbage. But uh, Apple seems to have it closer figured out than like the actual watch performance companies. That's interesting. Speaking of watches, I'm a Garmin guy through and me through. Too. I have a Timex Ironman for just if I don't want a GPS watch. So taking interval splits, I'm using that. If I'm doing time trials on the track, I'll generally have that. Um, but I love the Garmin Forerunner. People love the Phoenix. They love the Sunto. I like the lightness and the functional smallness of the face of the watch. I don't want it's so it light on my wrists. And so I've, I've tried everything tested buddies out, tried it on at the store. But in terms of what I've worn, I have worn a, a version of a Garmin Forerunner since 2012, and I don't ever plan on changing. Which one are you rocking right now? Well, I currently have the 735 XT, which is the triathlon one. Mm -hmm. And only because I found a really, really good sale on it. Otherwise, any version of the Forerunner works. Here's what you do. If you want to watch your budget, you get the Forerunner 230 which does not have a built-in heart rate monitor, which is fine. That watch is so light, you're almost like, how is this even like high performing? Yep. And then you pair that with your arm strap, Wahoo ticker fit or something else. That watch is about 200 bucks. The Wahoo ticker fits 70 or 80. And you have all the technology you need. The Garmin Forerunner 235 adds the heart rate data in it. You're going to pay a little more for it. But again, I just don't trust that, that data. Now I have the Garmin Forerunner 935. The 935 is sweet, got the built-in altimeter. I can real-time track my vertical gain and loss. And mm -hmm. every time I go up a hill, it auto when I set the trail run setting, when I go up a hill, it automatically switches from my time and distance to my vert. And like as soon as I climb 15 feet, it automatically pops up and I can see my new vert number and it just keeps telling me. I can switch through functions if I want. It is so money, dude, that Garmin 400 935. And if I say, hey, I wanna hit 5,000 feet of vert today, I don't have to guess later by uploading it to Strava and crossing my fingers and saying, hey, I hope I got my vert in today. I can watch this sucker real time. It is amazing technology, but it's got a $550 price point. Mm -hmm. To me, it's worth it. I, I, I would pay it again. But uh, otherwise, if you just want the bare bones, heart rate monitor, great GPS watch, I'd go the Forerunner 230, pair it with a purchase heart rate monitor, and you're set. I had the 220 which is the predecessor to the 230. And the only mm -hmm. reason I stopped, it was the next one on the chopping block to stop receiving uh, software updates. Oh, uh, yeah. But 
I had it for three or four years and it was going strong. It just was going to be obsolete. So I got ahead of the curve. I was just going to get a 230, but mm -hmm. a great deal popped up on this where I got it for the same price and it came with a bunch of chest straps. So I got it, but I don't use three quarters of the features on here. 230 for anything by the forerunner is money by me. The other yeah. brands are great, but this is what I stick with. And, and with the Suntos, I know a lot of people love their Suntos. I think the one thing you mentioned initially with that is they just are heavy. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like you got a small dumbbell attached to your wrist because they just, and the technology's in there. That's why they're heavy. My Garmin 935 is heavier than the 230 because it has an altimeter in it. It has some other functions in it. Um, and I, the Suunto, I'm sure, is great. Not bagging on those at all. I just have been used to it. I just don't yeah. want to get used to it. Yeah, I've been a Garmin guy since day one. I tried on all the watches in the store as well. And I said, nah, I think I'm going to, when I decided to make a real purchase of 500 bucks on a watch, <laughs> I really combed through them. And I still landed on the, the Garmin, so. Hydration pack, move to that. Yeah, my Solomon, any version of the Solomon packs, can't go wrong, man. Every single brand has upped their game. They used to be really stiff and uncomfortable and heavy material. Every brand is responding, but you cannot go wrong with Solomon packs. If I could only pick one pack for every use from from alpinism and in and day packs down to waist packs, it'd just be Solomon. Mm -hmm. but my number two would either be Ultimate Direction or Nathan, and I lean towards Nathan. Yeah, yeah, Nathan. Uh, I just don't think th they feel a little stiffer to me. Still, the vest itself, at least the ones I've tried on, it's yeah, still thicker. Yeah. Uh, they're improving their waist belt. I love, but for a chest. Um, a wearable hydration pack. I'm just not going anywhere. So I have the the Solomon S Lab. I think the mm -hmm. four set, and yeah. I have the Nathan Belt. In between those two, I am a happy, happy man. The Solomon S Lab line of anything is just a great product. I mean, the shoes, the 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 vest, the whatever else they make. The S Lab versions are nice. In fact, in Tahoe at the World Champs, I did not carry hydration on me. I don't often. I still chose to wear my vest over a waist belt because of how it handles product, how it sits on my body. I can go for a run. If I'm out for a three hour run, I have my two flasks full. I have a mini flask packed in the, in the side pocket. I can have 400 calories of goose, my phone, a Ziploc full of toilet paper, maybe a cliff bar, everything. And it just hugs my body tight. I don't know. I mean, the pockets are perfectly placed, easy to access. I've never chafed in it. I just think Solomon's got it figured out and their S lab version is fantastic. I do. And the one thing about, there's two things everyone knows about Solomon's S lab line. The first is that it is phenomenal and has so much R and D put into it. The second is that you pay for it. You sure do. The only place you don't pay for their S lab is their packs. Their compression shorts are $150, some of them. They have $90 to $120 t-shirts. They have $180 shoes and you can get a $110 pack. It just doesn't even make sense to me. So if you want to invest in one S-Lab product for the money, you cannot beat the vest. I have one of their earlier versions of the S-Lab vest. I broke a few uh, plastic connections on it over the years. I have the straps tied instead of clipping. It's a little small on me because it was a good deal at the time, but mm -hmm. I'm ready to reinvest and I'm not looking anywhere else, but the mm -hmm. S-Lab vest to reinvest. Well, I've had my S-Lab vest for four years. Looks, and I beat the shit out of it. Looks, I've washed it. I mean, how many times, mm -hmm. for example, 
looks the same as it did the first day I bought it. Nothing's broken on it. It's got a bear whistle attached to it or a rescue whistle. For me these days, that's uh, pivotal. I keep that sucker on there. <laughs> can blow on it if I need to. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. You, again, we have no connection to Salomon or S-Lab, their performance line, but you will not ever regret it. What other uh, miscellaneous gear or items have we not at least brushed upon? I don't know. I think on a daily basis, the, the, this is what I use. I use sunglasses, but I use knockoff Oakleys. I bought them from Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I took a leap and they're indistinguishable unless you're a a real like connoisseur of the sunglasses game and they work just fine for me. I can't stand wearing glasses, so I only wear them when I cycle. You know, I bought a $250 pair of fishing polarized glasses, Costas. Mm -hmm. And I wear those when I run now, and they're so fantastic. I shouldn't wear them for it, but um, just the two cents. You can buy yourself a multi-use fishing and running sunglass if that's your uh, niche. You certainly can. Yeah. I think you've got everything you, you, could, you could want and need. I'm sure there's people that want more out there, but Solomon, Kraft, Garmin, that covers the basics. On the mm -hmm. feet, we really like Hoka, Skechers, and Vijay. Yeah. Simple enough. I get, we gave you enough to chew on. I hope that some of you are actually in the market to take a look at some of these products because if you're like me, first of all, I have spent days and days of my life researching and scrolling on the internet, trying to decide which products to buy. And I feel I've ordered a lot of them and sent them back. I've tried them on over the years, sent them back. Uh, we've tried a lot of stuff that we're not recommending. I have a discard pile in my basement hydration yes. packs and belts and bottles that will never get touched. I'm just going to give them away because they're, they're not what I trust. Yeah. The point I'm making is we've sifted through the garbage for you guys. We've done it. We've done the trial and error. We've wasted money. I've wasted probably thousands of dollars on stuff that I don't like enough. So take what we're saying with a grain of salt, but also don't because yeah. we've, we've educated ourselves over the years. Yeah. And we should drive that home. I've been testing this running shorts out since I was 12. Back then I was pouring through East Bay and Dick yeah. Athletic magazines trying to figure out what I was going to wear. I've been testing shoes since I was 12. I have gone through thousands of dollars worth of shoes and other thousands of clothes and gear. When I have a race that I know I'm going to need something for, I test out five products to get one. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it works. So we have put a lot of time in. We, we have similarities of brands that we have throughout here, but we've arrived at those brands. It's not like craft shirt is the first shirt I tried. It was the 300th shirt I tried and it beat the others. Exactly. And if you're going to order some products, uh, go to Running Warehouse. They do a really nice job, runningwarehouse.com. They include a return shipping label with you. It's free. If you want to exchange sizes or try anything else out, Running Warehouse is the only place I order shoes that I'm not sponsored by anymore because they make it so easy for you. Yeah. So I'm a big Running Warehouse fan. I don't know where you order your stuff, but that's where I think people should go. It's the first place I look for everything because it's free two-day shipping both ways and mm -hmm. they support the running community. So I think that's just, I'm, I'm guessing some of you are going to do some internet searches. Start with Running Warehouse, see what you can find on there. They do a good job. That's it. That's it. We got to go because we have something very important coming up, don't we, Bracken, in, in a few minutes? 15 minutes, the whole state of Wisconsin shuts down. <laughs> That's right, it does. Packers game is on. That's right. 
Go get yourself some Packers, some pizza, maybe a few brewskis. We're out of here. <laughs> this is a Tuesday bracket. The game's going to be long past. They got to prepare for next week. That's right. See you guys. Thank you.